The old world is dying. The new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. Um, for this week's uh, podcast, uh, sponsored by The Nation magazine and available wherever you can listen to podcasts, um, I want to take up uh, a big scandal that's kind of uh, going off in the world of uh, politics and cryptocurrency and philanthropy. Um, and it is something that I think will have, you know, uh, it's a bomb that will have a wide uh, damage radius. It's going to affect a lot of people. It's already affecting a lot of people. And it's particularly of interest, I think, to listeners of this uh, program because it it, it uh, ties in with the Democratic Party and with certain um, liberal and uh, left of center um, uh, uh, people. Um, and this is the uh, collapse of the uh, uh, crypto um, uh, exchange FTX uh, run by this uh, very young man, uh, Sam uh, Bankman uh, Freud. Uh, Freed. Um, and uh, it's not just a sort of, you know, typical uh, rise and fall capitalism story because this is a company um he uh Sam Magman Freed uh popularly known as FBF um uh, in was the second largest donor to the Democratic Party and he was very heavily involved in uh donating particularly to primaries um and he had an alliance with figures in the media uh and also gave to media outlets um notably uh, the Intercept and I wrote about this for the nation, uh, but I wanted to bring in my uh, uh, friend and uh, frequent guest on this podcast, uh, David Cleon, um, who's an editor at Jewish Currents, but also writes for many places, including the nation and the New Republic. Um, uh, and I, I think uh, David can speak to uh, maybe some, uh, can flesh out uh, just uh, who SBF is uh, and what's this world, this nexus of philanthropy, politics and journalism that uh, he was very much at the center of and uh, the implications that his fall has for uh, many institutions and many people. So, uh, David, uh, welcome. Uh, Always great to be here. Um, so uh, before I go anywhere on this, I, I just want to say up front um, that there may be awkward moments in this uh, conversation because um I have a number of different social ties, which I'm not going to elaborate here, to people who got caught up in this scandal in one way or another. Um, no one on the uh, crypto side or the, I suppose we should say, um, alleged, since the actual laws here are a little murky, but Ponzi scheme side, nobody who I think uh, did anything uh, uh, potentially criminal or uh, malicious, um, but on the on the side of, of of where SBF's money was going in terms of what's called effective altruism, um, the the philanthropic side, the um, political influence side, I know people who took SBF's money or didn't take SBF's money, but um, sort of championed parallel causes uh, or or maybe wrote a nice thing about him or whatever. Um, if any of those people happen to be listening to this, uh, please don't take anything I'd say here as, uh, as as an attack on you personally. I'm trying to think more holistically about how all of this happened. Um, and, uh, but but I, it, it is certainly a reason why I'm interested in this story. Crypto is not something I cover. Um, the main reason I had heard of SBF maybe a year ago was because he's, he was getting involved in, in worlds that I had some familiarity with. Um, and, uh, you know, I've certainly watched this scandal unfold with great interest as a result of that. Um, now, on the other hand, listeners might think, uh, well, David is a is a, a heavily biased observer here. Um, he, he wants to be defensive of friends of his or whatever. First of all, not everyone I'm talking about is someone I necessarily consider a friend. But second of all, no, my bias here is... Uh, a certain level of schadenfreude, I guess, regardless of, of whether any friends were involved, because I I, I do think that there's a worldview um, that was a very arrogant worldview um, and a very uh, sort of blinkered worldview that was represented by SBF uh, and that we've... Um, we, we've seen take a huge hit. And some of the stuff I've been most interested in in the last couple of weeks has been um, people 
with that worldview, kind of attempting to deny that it's implicated in any way by SBF. So I've been speaking a little vaguely here, but we should talk probably about what is effective altruism, um, because it's central to this whole story. And uh, and and it, and it's uh, it's central to a way of looking at things. Um, and to name one name who I think can stand in for for a lot of the worldview we're criticizing, there's Matt Iglesias, the uh, extremely uh, prominent and widely read uh, online pundit who these days uh, has a, a Substack that makes a ton of money, which is to say it has a lot of readers, and some of those readers are in the West Wing. Um, so, uh, you know, Iglesias is by any measure, uh, an influential public figure, uh, a, a leading voice in sort of left liberal spaces, uh, and someone who important people read. And he, I would situate as, as part of a, a nexus of writers, political operatives, um, and effective altruist philanthropists and sometimes people who tick multiple of those boxes uh, who got caught up with SBF and his empire. And Iglesias has been, because he's a bit of a blowhard and always has been, um, has has notably uh, disgraced himself in the aftermath of this. Again, not because he, he did anything criminal, not because he stole anyone's money. No, we're not, not saying anything like that. Um, but because he laundered SBF's power through, because it coincided with his own, I think, uh, very flawed worldview um, about politics and philanthropy and how the world ought to work, he praised SBF before this scandal and has in limited ways praised him since this scandal Um because I think there's no reflection going on at all. And in fact, a great deal of denial of how that worldview directly encouraged uh, SBF to essentially vaporize billions of dollars. Uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Matt Iglesias, because I think he's a, he's a good name uh, uh, as a sort of avatar of this sensibility. And uh, so, so so basically, I, it was something he wrote earlier this year in May, um, and it was coming out of controversies about uh, SBF uh, putting in a lot of money into primaries um, to um, uh, uh, Democratic uh, primaries, uh, particularly one in Oregon, where I think they spent more money than has ever been spent in a primary, $11 million. Uh, now, uh, yeah, his candidate there lost, but in other places, uh, people he supported won. Um, and it seemed uh, people were uh, very concerned about this in the Democratic Party, saying like, you know, is this like a flood of crypto money coming in that's going to try to reshape the party to make um, it more friendly to crypto, uh, to keep crypto deregulated? Uh, and Matt Iglesias, uh, you know, wrote a piece, which is a kind of explainer on his Substack, um, which basically said, no, 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 you're misunderstanding this. Uh, SBF is uh, actually motivated by philanthropy and not a desire to push crypt, uh, crypto. Um, and he, uh, as you said, uh, he uh, contextualized, which makes a certain degree of sense, SBF in this world of effective altruism, which is a kind of a school um, of thinking about um, philanthropy and how it can work. And there's a couple of basic principles of effective altruism. It's an outgrowth of utilitarianism, which is, an, you know, like a very old, uh, philosophical system, um, uh, you know, which you have to look at um, what's the greatest good for the greatest numbers uh, and think about society holistically and do cost-benefit analysis. Now, the innovation of effective altruism is that it emphasizes that if you're a middle, if you're a well-to-do um, person uh, in the West, the best thing you can do is actually to make a lot of money and then to donate it. Uh, it is, um, uh, you kind of earn to give is the idea. And as um, uh, uh, Iglesias mentions, there are people coming out of this school of thought who were like at Ivy League schools who were encouraged to go into running hedge funds and then to donating their money. And okay, so that's okay, um, good, uh, uh, all well and good. Uh, although it, implicit in that is the idea that, you know, you're already accepting capitalism and inequality. N now, the other aspect though is that he insisted that we have to take SBF 
sincerely at his word. And I want to just quote a little bit about this because in his uh, substack, he said, uh, this is a word that will, I think, uh, a sentence that should haunt Matt Iglesias till his grave and will be you know, quoted in his obituaries. Uh, he said, SBF is for real. Uh, and what he meant by that is that he actually, that this effective altruism is not just a kind of rhetoric that he's using to cover his uh, um, philanthropic activities, which is, a, you know, it's, it's a longstanding critique of philanthropy that, you know, you don't have to be a radical to believe. Theodore Roosevelt said this. He said that, you know, people like uh, uh, Rockefeller and Carnegie are giving money to cover up their crimes, right? Uh, this is not a radical idea, but 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 Iglesias and says no no this guy FBF is for real. He really believes in um, effective altruism, and the evidence that he provided, which I think is just hilarious, is uh, SBF was raised by a leading consequentialist moral theorist. So his his mom, you know, teaches legal ethics. He's a law professor. How can someone who's the child of a law professor be bad, I ask you? Uh, uh, and uh, and then also the second point is, while attending MIT, SBF went to a Will McCastle lecture on effective altruism and got lunch with him. Uh, this is the, I, I find that very thin evidence that like, oh, he went to lunch with a philosopher, therefore Whoa. he's for real. But, 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 but so, so, so I, I'll, I'll let you interject here, but I, I just want to say, I mean, so, 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 Iglesias' whole argument is that we can't, don't look behind at the man behind the curtain. Just take this guy's money as at face value as a sincere effort to help the Democratic Party. What do we think of that? Well, so, you know, there's actually, depending on what we make of SBF, we could go two different ways with him. SBF personally, as a human being, we could go two different ways with this. Because on the one hand, uh, as I think you note in your piece about him, you know, SBF, after the scandal broke, after his money all disappeared, um, he did this uh, Twitter DM conversation with Kelsey Piper, who's a, a part of the aforementioned nexus, is a, is a uh, sorry if I use this vaguely conspiratorial term, I just don't have a better one to describe all these people who, who all talk to each other and reinforce each other's ideas and are all kind of scrambling right now. But Kelsey Piper writes for... Um, Vox's Future Perfect Vertical, which was founded in 2018, basically to discuss and promote uh, the, the ideas of effective altruism, and which took a large grant from SBF in 2022. Um, so the, the vertical is older than the association with SBF, but there was, you know, SBF was directly funding this coverage uh, in the months leading up to his disgrace. Uh, so Kelsey Piper uh, knew SBF, talked to SBF, and DM'd with him after this scandal and the things that SBF said in, in this DM conversation, which were then posted to Vox, uh, and SBF felt betrayed by a friend because he doesn't know how journalism works. Um, and he also doesn't understand, I think, how mad all of the, the people who trusted him must be at him. Um, they, uh, you know, in, in this conversation, SBF basically is very glib and smug and saying things no lawyer would advise him to say in the aftermath of a, you know, potentially criminal financial scandal. Um, but, you know, basically says in so many words that the effective altruism thing was all kind of PR and a, and a kind of a, a, a gloss on him. So, you know, one, one simple way to, to summarize the story in light of that conversation is Matt Iglesias, Kelsey Piper, and all these other people got hoodwinked. You know, they they uh, they believed in effective altruism for, you know, honorable motives uh, or or at least arguably honorable motives. You know, you, you can we'll get into the, the critiques of effective altruism itself in just a sec. But, you know, I don't doubt they believed what they were saying and believed that this was how you make the world a better place. Uh, and that blinded them to this raging narcissist con man who uh, doesn't actually believe in anything. But but, you know his own greed and, 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 um, you know, this, this, this millennial Bernie Madoff figure, uh, and, and he just played them all for fools. And maybe that is the story here, to be honest. I think that even though it's not a very flattering story, because it, it makes all these guys look like Marx, these guys who are in many cases, 
professional journalists who are supposed to see through stuff like this. It makes them look like Marx. But I think that's actually the um, the story Matt Iglesias would prefer we walk away with, uh, a story where uh, they simply trusted the wrong billionaire. And uh, and and whoops. Um, in other words, that that you can throw out the SBF and you know Iglesias in his case is still being even after that kind of defensive of SBF, saying for instance that his money is the reason why Donald Trump lost in 2020, which is such a ridiculous argument. I don't think it's worth engaging with in any detail. Well, but I, I, I want to just address that argument because okay. like, SBF gave a lot of money to the Democratic Party, but often it was in primaries to get yeah. like-minded people in to the presidential campaign. And that's 2022. But in the presidential campaign of 2020, he gave, as far as I can tell, $5 million, which is, you know, that's money. But the whole presidential campaign on both sides, like there were billions of dollars spent. Yeah, no, I mean, even, so, so even five if, million out of billions is even nothing. if you accepted that five million dollars was the difference between Biden winning and not winning, which I do not accept, and I don't think any serious person would accept. But even if you accepted that, by Iglesias's logic, we could then pick out literally everyone who gave money in any appreciable amount, since the margin was that close. Uh, and say, uh, well, don't criticize that person too hard because they did give money. I mean, that's where well, that logic points. I, I don't yeah. know. I just find it, it's it's absurd. At a presidential level, money doesn't matter in the same way. No. Everyone knows, it, they all they both get free advertising. Yeah, they get saturation coverage. It's the, it's the highest turnout election. Everybody knows. Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump like two to one in 2016, didn't didn't win the election for her. And, so, and like, Biden yeah. outspent like um uh, uh Trump uh, by by a considerable amount, but in it, but it was still a close election. So uh, yeah, so so I just want to like nail down the, this. The, even even if it even if it were true, which it's not, but even if it were true, it's not at all relevant to the discussion of is SBF good and did these guys screw up by by getting in bed with him? So I would I would just dismiss it. I think it, it it's hilarious that Iglesias is is trying to absolve himself by by claiming in a sense personal credit uh since he you know as since SBF's so great and he and he championed SBF maybe Iglesias is the reason why why Donald Trump was defeated i mean it, it it's ridiculous but what i want to say is okay the 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 supposedly generous read is this one con man uh, exploited the movement. Now, even there, Tyler Cowen, the um, kind of libertarian uh, economist and pundit, who is not someone I often find myself agreeing with, but he actually had a very succinct blog post uh, basically saying, look, effective altruism is supposed to be able to make like perfect judgments about existential risks. We can get a little more into that, but they couldn't even make a good judgment about whether this obvious con man was, was a con man um, you know, and 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 it does kind of call the whole premise of effective altruism into question if it can get hoodwinked that easily. Um, but I think we can take it even further because I don't like the the deeper argument I would make is I don't think Iglesias is entirely off base in saying that um Sam Bankman Freed is who he is because he's the son of consequentialist philosophers or because he um, got lunch with this guy, Will McCaskill, who's a foundational figure in the effective altruism movement and whose ideas, if you start looking into them, are insane. They're insane. And they're insane in a way where, look, people are complicated. And I actually think it's possible for someone like SBF to simultaneously be a cynical power player who just has a lot of money and no accountability and and uses people and manipulates people and also kind of believe in his own bullshit. I think that's a lot more. I think we often search for tidy narratives. Um, those of us who tell stories for a living, uh, we, we search for tidy narratives in which someone is either, quote unquote, for real or they're a cynical con man. But I think it's often both. I think that the, that the most effective con artists do on some level believe in in their own hype and believe what they're doing and they also cheat uh because they can and because it's effective to do so and so i actually am inclined to take sbf at his word that he believed in effective altruism uh he i mean yes he also saw it as as a gloss to getting the regulatory regime he wanted he's made that clear but that on some level he believed in it and even if he didn't i mean his soul is ultimately unknowable uh 
I think that it's not a fluke that that these guys got caught up with this particular con man uh, all over their worldview and all over things they were saying before this scandal broke. There is an implicit bargain they were making. And one person I'd like to highlight here is the um, other main editor, I think, of of Vox's Future Perfect vertical, Dylan Matthews, who, disclosure, I know a little bit and think is, I, I, we're not close, but I've met him a few times, think he's a very nice, very smart guy. I respect Dylan. Um, and, and, yeah, we, and, and actually, I want to say, I mean, I don't know personally either uh, uh, the figures that we know about, but just as a, as a writer and public figure, I, I mean, I do think that uh, Dylan Matthews is like a much more honorable and upfront and sincere uh, person than like Matt Iglesias. He, so, so it's, he's a he is. He is. Than, they are, of course, close. They, they, you know, were both part of the founding click of, of Vox.com. I don't know how close they are presently, but I, I don't have any reason to think they are alienated. Um, I just want to say to Dylan or anyone who knows Dylan who listens to this, Dylan is a nice guy. Dylan, I have no doubt meant well. And, you know, one bit of evidence that, that you know, Dylan takes effective altruism extremely seriously in its, in its noblest uh, rendition is that a few years ago, he... Um, following the the logic of effective altruism, he donated one of his kidneys to a stranger uh, for free um, just because he had convinced himself that, you know, there's there's a lot of demand for kidneys out there, people who need them to live, and we don't need two kidneys to live. And so he, you know, went through this operation because it was uh, a generous thing to do. So that's the kind of person we're talking about here. Now, Saying that does not absolve him of misjudgment or bad analysis or I think making um, a kind of journalistically dubious decision. And the thing I want to criticize here, so so Dylan actually did write about Sam Bankman-Fried on Future Perfect before the scandal broke, some like, I don't know, six months ago or whatever, uh, middle of the year. He, he wrote like a paragraph or so about SBF. And I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he said, uh, you know, disclosure, SBF is funding this vertical, which is the right thing to say when you write about someone funding you. And I've said things like that before too, I'm sure. Um, and he said he was going to bite the hand that feeds him, which is also a good thing to do, I think, when you're taking money from someone to do journalism. He, he, he criticized SBF in the main time he wrote about him. Um, he said, while acknowledging all the good causes Dylan likes and promotes on Future Perfect that that SBF had given lots of money to, um, he expressed his his skepticism of crypto as an industry, uh, the the industry in which SBF is making his money, and and um, and his skepticism, uh, I think, of the Super Bowl ads with celebrities that SBF was um, paying for early this year, um, you know, basically. Uh, trying to expand crypto's influence. He he made it clear that he felt uneasy about that. My criticism of Dylan, my good faith criticism of Dylan and, and others in, in that group is you say EA is a consequentialist philosophy, but there were a whole set of obvious consequences that weren't being considered here. The consequences of crypto as an industry, the immense damage it does not only to the environment, which these people are aware of, like Dylan Matthews, I have no doubt, is aware of the of the environmental externalities of the crypto industry, but also uh, the externality that it's, you know, essentially conning larger and larger numbers of people into, uh, you know, spending their money on nothing, which there's an infamous interview um with the Odd Lots podcast that SBF did a few months ago um, with, uh, what is it, Matt Levine and, and Joe Weisenthal, uh, where where Weisenthal basically implied that SBF's whole business is a Ponzi scheme. That was the word he used, Ponzi. Um, and SBF kind of laughed it off. And Levine and Iglesias and others um, took this to be a positive sign in a way that SBF like us is in on the joke. He doesn't he doesn't really think that crypto is is a you know a viable industry. He understands that he's basically conning a lot of dumbasses into giving him money. But you know, first of all, that means maybe he's managing it responsibly, which is a 
uh, okay, you, we've all conceded the man is is deeply unethical and is uh, manipulating people, but maybe he's he's not you know playing himself here. Uh, maybe we can we can trust him because we're smart and have good judgment. Um, and also, and I think Dylan implied that this was the calculation he was making too. You know, who cares? if a bunch of dumbasses get ripped off uh, by the crypto industry, their money can be spent more effectively on, you know, malaria nets in the developing world or whatever other good cause, Um, which, look, I understand the logic there. And I also don't want to pretend that I'm a morally pure person who's never taken money from a dubious source or who, you know, spends what I could on philanthropy. I don't want to pretend either of those things. Um, but I think that that calculation is where the logic of effective altruism ultimately points. It points to a class of smart, well-meaning people who who have dubbed themselves effective altruists can make judgments about, you know, kind of rationally, mathematically about who needs money the most uh, and where that money can acceptably come from. They put some, as I understand it, some people like well mccaskill put some like loose safeguards on you know you wouldn't want to take money from this or that source but basically you know uh, apparently ftx and the crypto industry writ large made it past those safeguards and um which means that you know the the consequences not only the environmental consequences not only the the many regular people who get screwed um, but also the consequences when it turns out that the whole thing is unsustainable, as it did within months of of, of people writing these things, um, and suddenly there is no money to fund all the projects they want, and there's this dark, you know, association with EA. Uh, you know, EA is getting all this negative press coverage. Also, it's hurt the Democrats. Um, it's you know the, the the right is running wild with as you noted in your article, sometimes uh, very anti-Semitic uh, uh, rhetoric about SBF. Uh, you know, it's it's incredibly discrediting for the publications that took his money, not just Vox, The Intercept, uh, ProPublica, which is, an, you know, a, a, a publication whose sort of core mission is one of integrity and, and, and holding, um, you know, the corrupt accountable and doing deep investigations into them. All of these places are tainted now. That's a consequence uh, of of trusting uh, SBF. And and you know, and Iglesias was totally glibly in denial about this. And then I think deleted the tweets where he was. Um, you know, SBF was also buying up members of Congress who would who would favor um, the regulatory regime for crypto that he that he wanted. For his own industry, you know, he was effectively lobbying and using all this philanthropy as a kind of cover for his for his lobbying. So, you know, had he been successful in that and things were pointing in a good direction for it, um, you know, essentially one of the consequences of, of working with and, and celebrating and normalizing this guy uh, was was expanding his power over the regulatory state and expanding the influence of crypto generally in our society. And it's just like, you know, how many malaria nets would you have to buy to balance out all of these disastrous consequences? And I'm not sure you could because these consequences have a way of of perpetuating and entrenching themselves. And I just don't think, you know, I think when someone offers the cause you believe in a large amount of money slash in a lot of cases offers you personally uh, a lot of money, uh, you you don't think too hard about this stuff. And I think there was a sort of dereliction of intellectual duty on that front. Yeah, no, I I, I think that's I think that's right. And uh, I, I mean, to maybe even push it a little bit farther, because I mean, we have been mentioning Iglesias. I mean, Iglesias' whole thing with his Substack is that he's taking a, um, the approach of Max Weber to politics. Uh, you know, um, Weber, the great sociologist, had this famous uh, essay, you know, the the, the uh, uh, politics of responsibility, that like in politics, you're not just in politics to like uh, express your identity uh, and uh, you have to think about actual consequences, uh, and you have to be responsible. And the, the task of politics is the, the you know the, uh, the the famous phrase is the slow boring of boards that you have now. 
how responsible is it to like tie your political party and your like uh, movement to like a Ponzi scheme? I, I don't think I can't reconcile the two. Um, and this actually, I think particularly for me came out in a kind of exchange um, between Jeff Hauser, um, who um, runs a, is a Washington policy guy, runs a very valuable uh, thing called the Revolving Doors um, Project, which looks at, you know, um, people who are lobbyists, people who are going, uh, um, uh, uh, working for various administrations, Republican, Democrats, and then become lobbyists. And uh, they've been very effective in trying to keep out the worst sort of um, people out of uh, the Biden administration to sort of flag certain people and say like, no, this this person like took just too much money for the oil industry or from um, um, uh, uh, various other, uh, from Wall Street. Now, Jeff Hauser, when this whole thing earlier this year in, in May came, you know, with uh, uh, SBF buying, you know, trying to buy Congress, you know, came out, he like uh, expressed a concern that like, you know, um, that uh, if he's trying to buy a seat in Congress uh, as a proxy, he said, I and many others will now associate effective altruism with Ponzi schemes. And Matt Iglesias responded to this with a tweet saying, whatever you think about SBF, effective altruism or cryptocurrency. This is Hauser explaining to the world how he thinks about issues and makes decisions. And it's very bad that this kind of approach has come to play a meaningful role in executive branch staffing. So he's basically saying like, you know, we shouldn't listen to the revolving door guy who's like trying to keep lobbyists out of Washington. This is like an irresponsible left-wing uh, approach that's just a pure emotional politics. You should be, you have a more rational Weberian approach. But I, I just can't reconcile, you know, the politics of responsibility, the politics of ultimate uh, of um, uh, consequences, you know, with like, as Hauser says, with a Ponzi scheme. Like, it yeah, makes like, no sense. like, how do you look at Donald Trump and the rise of, of you know, the Donald Trump presidency, which I, I'm sure Iglesias and everyone we respect understands to have been a catastrophe. How do you look at that and and not understand as a core driving force behind it? You know, the 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 moment early in the Republican primary um, where uh, and, and then again in the in the actually Dave Chappelle in his. Uh, recent rift that most people talked about the anti-Semitism aspects of it, but he he talked about Trump on stage with Hillary Clinton debating her and how Trump was able to say to both his Republican and Democratic mainstream rivals in 2016 that he bought them, that Washington is a corrupt swamp and he bought them and they had no good response. They were they they were kind of stunned that someone would you know, breach the etiquette of how this is all supposed to work on stage. And none of this is to say Trump is principled. It's precisely because he wasn't principled, because he could say, yeah, like, I'm I'm a guy who buys politicians, and you're the politicians I buy. And that's how things really work. And I'm giving you, I think, as, a, as Chappelle said, something like a, a look behind the curtain. Um, you know, we are in the various predicaments we're in, because this kind of wink, wink, uh, elite corruption has just gone on for decades in Washington. Uh, and and people like Iglesias, I think, shrug it off, normalize it. Um, you know, in some cases, uh, you know, as with uh, uh, Sean McAwee and David Shore, both of whom disclosure I know, um, you know, partake in it to various ways. Uh, they like, you know, when you essentially declare yourselves to be the 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 smart people who are kind of in on everything and understand how things really work uh what's moving around some money here or there you know like like is that really what matters or is crafting you know the the kind of optimal uh, as sure would say popularist message in, in this or that election what matters but you know like the, actually, it does matter. And not just in some like moral high horse sense, like it matters because it does uh, associate the Democratic brand and also the the noble parts of effective altruism uh, with uh, a kind of of pervasive seediness and and uh it it undermines uh you know crypto I think is a is a mostly um right-wing industry full of like you know Elon Musk wannabes uh but I think that's pretty obscured you know Sam Bankman-Fried was supposed to be the respectable one 
And there's a there's a funny thing happening now, if you look at, you know, what people are saying about SBF on Twitter, where, you know, lefty scolds like you or I are, are, are criticizing him on one end. But the other people who really hate SBF right now are all the like right wing crypto bros, um, because they saw him as this kind of, you know, they, they don't really have any moral pre, uh, uh, pretenses. They're, they're just like, you know, LOL, I got rich, you're going to stay poor, that kind of guy. Um, they didn't like that he wanted to introduce a regulatory regime. Um, they didn't like his whole kind of, you know, elite, um, liberal, holier than thou attitude. Uh, and now they don't like that he's bringing uh, kind of mainstream discredit. I mean, there's there's a, there are sometimes anti-Semitic conspiracy theories that he's this like deep state op designed to discredit and destroy crypto, which, you know, we should be so lucky. But um, so like but but what he has done, I think, is is make it harder for Democrats to go after this industry because so many Democrats like Kirsten Gillibrand or, or Richie Torres uh, you know, basically, or Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, basically, uh, you know, have been bought off by the crypto industry in one way or another. And SBF and his friends have played no small role in that. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that there's a, a perception disaster here. But also, like, consequentialism, utilitarianism, you know, it all kind of points to this disaster, right? Because it it points to making moral relative, more morally relativistic uh, judgments about you know costs and benefits and and what sacrifices can be made. It points to a kind of elite technocracy running things and to just trusting that that the people in that technocracy have good judgment. As in this case, they've all shown they manifestly don't, at least sometimes, especially when when money's being thrown around. Um, and also, uh, you know, if you if you game it out in the dorm room style that these types prefer, you can justify some pretty horrible things with what's called long termism, which is the most extreme effective altruist manifestation uh, and which Will McCaskill has has pushed. I mean, I was gaming out long termism and I'm not at all clear why uh, long termism isn't a justification for settler colonial genocide. I mean, I think you can justify literally anything you want to justify with it, but settler colonial genocide, right? Like, like, um, I don't understand why a long-termist thinker with perfect foresight in, in the year uh, 1500, um, you know, if you could imagine such a thing as a thought experiment, wouldn't look at the North American continent and say, okay, well, th this continent has a population of, you know, uh, maybe a few 10 million, uh, if that, um, you know, disorganized tribes. Um, they're not, you know, they don't live under a modern industrial democracy, which is a good thing. We, we all agree that like modern industrial capitalist democracy is a good thing. There aren't that many of them. They're not making use of the continent's resources efficiently. Um, and taking the long-term view, if in 500 years, instead North America was united coast to coast by by a, a thriving, wealthy industrial democracy full of middle class people who uh, who can earn to give and 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 give money to solve the world's problems. That that would be better than what we see right here in North America in fifteen hundred. So really, what's a little genocide between now and then? And well, like, I, that, I mean, I, I want to is that not a long term argument? Need to do that sort of thought experiment because we have the actual historical example of the founders of you know utilitarianism jeremy bentham and uh james mill and john stuart mill and uh you know who are who are i you know i think at a higher level than sbf and metaglacius but um i mean utilitarianism as was practiced by them did uh especially in the case of james mill and john stuart mill come to the conclusion that you know what's best for the world, for humanity, is the British Empire is, and 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 they, I mean, the two, the father and son mill, um, uh, were high officials in the uh, British East India Company, uh, were involved in in running it, and one sees it particularly playing out, uh, uh with mill. You know, who was a great liberal thinker, but not only in defense of imperialism, but in some of the crimes of empire, particularly with famines, with the idea that, you know, when you have famines in India or Ireland, you know, like giving relief, um, it uh, will be long term bad 
for uh, uh, for the running of uh, free enterprise and capitalism, and that it's best to you know like have a little bit of starvation uh, <laughs> uh, uh, for, for society. So um, I, I think that this is this has always been an implicit problem of both elitism and uh, sort of anti-democratic impulse. Um, uh, the great Marxist historian Perry Anderson referred to the utilitarianism as this kind of like crass uh, uh, creed of capital accumulation and cultural nihilism. Um, and, you know, I sort of feel like with Mill, that's going a little too far, but I think with like Iglesias and SVF, like that, that hits home. Uh, but the other well, final well, thing- as, as you mentioned in your piece, SVF uh, and actually his, his uh at least part, one time collaborator Sean McElwee we have said almost um identical things on this front in the last year or so uh SBF and 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 McElwee have both said uh you know that they don't read books and that uh reading and that if you're reading or writing a book you failed like your book should be uh you know a a, a six paragraph blog post or whatever or should be a tweet um you know it's this like proudly anti-intellectual uh attitude and um yeah it it fits that uh quote that Perry Anderson quote very well it also makes me think like no actually like it's the 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 sort of archetypal stem guy uh who you know understands computer programming and science or whatever and 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 has gotten into effective altruism and wants to give but but doesn't read history doesn't read literature doesn't read anything like that like I actually think this scandal is like a great case in point for why the humanities still ought to matter, because you can see how this has all happened before, as you're saying, with the mills. Um, and you can see how, um, you know, kind of rationalist elites delude themselves or are conned uh, again and again throughout history uh, because of a, a flawed theory of how to perfect the world. That's right, yeah. And, and since we're talking about literature, I will say my the best example of long-termism is actually the Benny yeah, Gesserit sisterhood and the, <laughs> the, 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 the many thousand-year plan to create... Well, the, well no, the best years. example, if we're going to go there, Jeet, is, is Leto II's Golden Path, which... <laughs> which has perfected because he he can see into the past and future in ways that the Bene Gesserit sisters can't yeah. because because he's a man and Frank Herbert has this wildly misogynistic theory of prescience um and because he's a man he can he can plan on a level that that the Bene Gesserit don't but yeah what is Leto's golden path Leto's golden path involves a period called um the starvation and the scattering like Leto's grand theory to liberate humanity is um his empire falls apart. There's like mass starvation across the universe. Like technologies are forgotten. Whole ways of life are forgotten. People are sort of reduced to, to like primitive tribal cultures on all these different planets. They lose touch with each other, but then keep going thousands of years. And like humankind is sort of revitalized and, and comes back and, 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 you know, is lively again, uh, instead of the sort of imperial stagnation that the Dune series starts with. I mean, this is an insane evil plan, uh, but, but it's long-termist, right? I mean, Leto sees the far future. So he, so he knows it ultimately works out for the good. Um, and, uh, you know, the 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 main difference between Leto and today's long-termist thinkers is today's long-termist thinkers don't even have this prescient power. They're just guessing what the, they're just guessing that, you know, the most important thing to invest resources in now is 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 stopping an AI singularity, which hilariously enough is also a, a you this know, is also in Dune, yeah, that's exactly. A major element of Dune. Basically, everyone should read Dune. Yeah. Uh, although, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I can't say reading Dune will make you a good person since it's apparently Elon Musk's favorite book and uh look how he turned out but yeah. but but all but, these themes are are in there and they're in Asimov's foundation books too um this idea that you know you can plan for the the long-term future with with perfect foresight um and 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 make trade-offs that seem dubious in the in the near or even not so near term uh toward this ultimate outcome it's all in there and the flaws are all in there 
That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I think some of these people, I mean, I, I, I do know that uh, Matt Iglesias has read both Foundation and Dune and it has not helped him. Uh, and I, I guess his justification is that we need to SVF to plan the Butlerian Jihad uh, to <laughs> destroy the thinking machines. But I, I don't know if that's uh, rational. The, the final point I'm going to, I mean, and we've had a far reaching, uh, ranging discussion. The final point I want to kind of end on, though, is to cast an even more sinister light on these people. Because I think that like, you know, these are people sort of vaguely left of center, but I, I started to think of them as sort of um, reactionary centrist, uh, to use Michael Hobbs' great term. And I think that a lot of their sensibility comes out of this kind of um, reaction among certain types of liberals, including Elon Musk, who had been a you know left uh, Obama supporter, um, to the rise of social movements in the last 10 and 15 years, the rise of Black Lives Matter, uh, the rise of Me Too, um, these uh, sort of social movements, and especially the George Floyd uprising, which was a kind of a major traumatic event um, for certain liberal centrists. And coming out of these events, I think that these people concluded, like, you know, like, we need to clamp down on this, we need to have um, a, a politics that can uh, uh, that uh, where elites can uh, continue to have power, and we and we there were especially people like David Shore and Matt Iglesias are very upset that there were foundations that were giving money, you know, things like the Ford Foundation, and I'm assuming George Soros were giving money to Black Lives Matter uh, and other like you know very militant groups. Sunrise, the rise of sort of environmental activism, and so so they needed SVF because he could provide an alternative revenue source for um, uh, uh, and could uh, also an alternative model of politics, a kind of return to the, you know, old school, we have the rich guys who buy congressmen and will accept certain regulatory reforms. And there's a kind of return to the sort of, you know, golden age of uh, the power elite. Uh, you know, in C. Wright Mills, them where you have like the wealthy, the think tanks, uh, uh, the Pentagon, and there that's where politics will come back, and we can shut out the social movements. I really think that the big appeal of SBF was that to to people that we're talking about is that it provided a way to for uh, uh, that they could imagine the Democratic Party um, clamping down on social movements and returning to kind of old school basically plutocratic rule. Uh, I don't know if you think that's going too far, but oh, I maybe, think- Maybe technocratic is a better word than- Technocratic, plutocratic. yeah. Well, the plutocratic, technocratic alliance, right? Yeah, you need sure, the plutocrats sure. to finance the technocrats. And so yeah. the SBF was an appealing figure. He had billions and he was willing to give it to like uh, technocrats so that they can come up with their solution of malaria nets and, and whatnot. Uh, but it's, it's a type of politics that's very opposed to the politics that we've seen over the last decade, both on the left and the right, the politics of the street, the politics on the one hand of the sort of, you know, neo-fascist right of the Proud Boys, but also the politics of Black Lives Matter and of Me Too and of sort of Sunrise. Um, so, I mean, I, I really think that as this FBF moment, effective altruism was all coming out of a you know desire to reconsolidate elite centrism uh, as a force in American politics. I, I don't know what you, 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 we can maybe close up with your thoughts on that. Uh, I, I completely agree and don't have much to add. So I just want to, um, I mean, I, I guess we should mention because uh, I think you do in your piece and, and on Twitter that uh, a great um, visual summary of the, the point you just made is this picture from earlier this year of SBF on stage in the Bahamas where he lives because it doesn't regulate anything um, uh, on stage in the Bahamas with Bill Clinton and Tony Blair, both, you know, the leading political figures uh, of of that sort of 90s moment that that a lot of these guys want to go back to, both washed up and disgraced by various scandals um, and both sort of in awe of like, oh, this guy's the new thing. And it is 
it is frankly absolutely delicious to see those two after everything after you know Jeffrey Epstein and you know Tony Blair taking money from the dictator of Kazakhstan and the Iraq war and then this and that a million different things it's really fun to see them be like oh but this time we, we've got the next the next uh the next big thing we've got it right this time we're going to go on stage with this 30 year old you know uh in in uh Tevas or whatever uh in cargo shorts um and and he's going to point the way to the future. And it takes, you know, a couple months for that to be uh, as embarrassing as people guess. So the last thing I want to say to close this out is I want to give a shout out to some people, uh, several of whom are, are friends of mine, um, who uh, who actually did get this right all along, uh, who, whose coverage of um, crypto and or effective altruism and the relationship between them um was appropriately skeptical and is vindicated because I think it's very easy for people like Iglesias to act like who could have seen this coming? You know, that SBF is a is a con artist. That 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 wasn't foreseeable. You know, that 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 crypto really is is entirely a Ponzi industry and getting involved in it in any way is not going to work out well. Who could have seen that? Well, some people who saw that include my friend Ed Ongweso, who um writes about uh, uh who, who covers the crypto industry for vice's motherboard you know he saw all this coming a mile away his coverage of it has been great jacob silverman at the new republic has done fantastic skeptical crypto coverage and you know been treated very condescendingly by people in media who got caught up in the crypto hype but he's been right about everything um i don't know this person personally but jacob's uh writing partner uh, the um, actor Ben McKenzie, best known for playing Ryan on on The OC, a great show, a great show, by the way, uh, about wealth inequality, as I as I wrote last year for The Drift. Um, you know, uh, they they've been all over crypto, and and Ben McKenzie, you know, this like child soap, not child, but teen soap actor, uh, and kind of you know C list celebrity, I think turns out to understand what's going on a lot better than among other people, Matt Iglesias. Um, Noah Colwyn wrote a great piece about SBF, uh, you know, earlier this year in The Baffler uh, that, you know, holds up very well in light of everything that's happened. Uh, so it's just to say, like, you know, lots of people saw this coming. Um, lots of people have have reason to feel smug now. And I wouldn't fault them for feeling smug because smugness was the overpowering um, affect of all the people who who now have egg on their faces, um, and uh, you know, I think those people, many of whom are 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 good and and smart people, ought to be reflecting right now on on how this happened. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to end it, and I will link to the um, uh, photograph of um, uh, Tony Blair and Bill Clinton in the Bahamas with SBF, and I just want to say, like a billionaire with a, a dubious um criminal activity who invites bill clinton to an island in the caribbean what could go wrong uh, <laughs> but anyways like uh, uh once again uh, i want to thank david cleon for uh for being here and I, I i think i thought it was a great discussion thank you bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.